So today, today. Well, first off, um, uh, I want to say this because I forgot to say it last time, and that was, um, I guess, uh, thank you for being the first female guest on the show. So heck yeah, thank you. I've been trying to work towards that for a while. Just nothing was working out with people. <laughs> You know, I think if you look at the things that happen to women on the internet, I kind of get why. Yeah. But that generally hasn't happened to me, so I'm okay rolling with it. Good. So, all right. So then, today, uh, you came up with this one yet again, huh? Yes. Because it's books that scared us. Okay. Or stories. Yeah. All right, well... So we're, we're, yeah, we're just doing five each, right? Yep. Okay. And I have my honorable mention, okay. which I'll explain. All right. I know. I'm. I'm. You kind of told me the story on it, so I'm like really anxious for it. Yeah. So, um, I also want to mention, like, straight up, like, none of my five are Stephen King, and I was actually kind of surprised by that. Um, but I realized that, like, when I think of things that like really scare me and stuck with my brain, it's usually like really supernatural stuff. And I think the most scary things that King does are like people being terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't think that haunts me quite as much because it almost feels that's what life is like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, versus you know encountering a ghost or a monster or something. Yeah, I th- well, I only have one Stephen King. I tried my best. I tried my best to not do it, but I had to throw one on there. Yeah. Well, since you went first last time, do you want me to go first this time? Oh, please. Okay. So this first one is so dumb, but genuinely this haunted me. And it's funny because we talked about Richard Matheson last episode. My first two are actually both Matheson. Um, But I'm going to talk about crickets first. Are you familiar with that story? I am not. Okay. I think it's in the the, uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet or whatever collection. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's this short story about how crickets the sound they make is secretly them saying the names of people who are going to die. Mm. Um, and if you figure out that the crickets are doing that, the crickets kill you. <laughs> Which oh sounds like such, it sounds like such a stupid concept for something that just really freaks me out. But like, if you grow up with nature around you, like hearing the crickets or the cicadas is just so normal. Also, when a cricket gets into your house, it's impossible to find. Um, yeah. You know, it's so something very creepy about like, they know something I don't know, and they could kill me. Um, that was definitely a short story that, oh, I remember I was reading it like the middle of the night, and the windows were open, and it was summer, and I could like hear the bugs outside, and I just was like, oh, they're going to get me. Like, <laughs> now I know, and now they're going to come for me, and it was very creepy. It's uh, a very weird little short story, but it was one that I think, you know, a lot of people are really creeped out by bugs, and I feel like Matheson really just tapped into another level of bug fear that isn't like a giant bug or you know something really kind of obvious it's this very subtle like the bugs are out to get you yeah so yeah it's an excellent short story i do recommend i definitely need to look that one up i have i don't think i've read any of his oh i might have read a handful of his short stories but i only really remember one of them yeah okay so what's your first um my first is actually one of uh our favorites that we've been talking about for a little while um and it is the novel head full of ghosts okay it's gonna be a whole other blurb when i talk about it for me so you first (laughs) okay well like i said it has been a while since i've read it. it's probably been coming up on two years now which 
we're gonna it's have not to, about the same for me yeah def- maybe a little longer definitely have to revisit it soon for sure um but i just you know i remember it being about a just kind of like a possession story and yes it is but also it isn't no it isn't and that's what that's what really threw me off when i first read it was oh it's very mis the premise is very misleading because when you get into it it's so much more psychological mm-hmm. and to me psychological is a lot scarier than you know something physical that you can see in something tangent and whatnot uh tangible tangent um and that book is just full of so many just mind-bending moments that are like is it isn't it just that's the whole thing is is it isn't it and yeah just it's just it's because uh, i'm trying to i want to say things about it but it's gonna spoil things for people who haven't i know i don't want to spoil uh, anything for anybody <laughs> that's about, uh, i think par- it makes you doubt yourself as the reader yes which i think is very successful like you aren't always sure if you have a reliable narrator and so you um i'm gonna talk about something completely different why it scares me but it it's definitely it very much makes you doubt what's happening like can you believe what's being told to you or do you have to think on another level or do you have to assume everything is a lie or a childish exaggeration and that's very unsettling especially since it was coming from a loved one and you want to believe Mm -hmm. them but things are kind of telling you the opposite of that right i feel uncomfortable just sitting in a room with a closed door right now talking about that (laughs) book that's how much it scares me i'm i'm actually surprised i put it at number five I, I maybe should have put it at least four but i think the ones after this are are still pretty damn frightening i will say that mine are in no particular order oh, okay. it was sort of as they came to me okay well mine are in sort of a from i guess the least scary but still scary to absolutely terrifying <laughs> okay good to know that that will give me some perspective <laughs> uh so the next short story also by richard matheson is called Person to Person. This is included in most editions of I Am Legend. Okay. Um, it's the very last short story, and it is about um, a guy who starts hearing a ringing phone in his head, and then he starts seeing a therapist to try and figure it out, and the therapist says, well, start answering the phone. Um, and spoilers, uh, he ends up, that's like a the way that something possesses him is because he answers the phone, and so at the end of it, he's like, no, I want to hang up this phone call and things like too late. Oh, <laughs> um, no. Which one that super freaked me out because all possession things like that is my number one supernatural thing that really freaks me out is possession. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good Catholic kid. Um, <laughs> you can't escape it. Um, but what it was about that story in particular is that um, I got really bad insomnia in college, like to the point where I wasn't sleeping for days. And one of the ways that that manifested when I would start to like, hallucinate was i would hear a phone ringing and even now Mm. when i get really stressed out like if i get start to get like a stress headache one of the weird things that comes with it is i think i hear like my work phone ringing Uh, so this is always like somehow i feel like my brain tied that story to like stress and not sleeping (laughs) (laughs) and so that's one of the things that happened so it was a story that freaked me out to begin with and the way my own life played out made it scarier um because one, it's a possession story, and then two, like this this idea of like phantom phone ringing, um, is very creepy to me. 
And so that's one of those stories where like I sometimes when I hear a phone ring, especially because, you know, we all have our cell phones on silent. Like how often do you really hear phones ring? Yeah in our society. And so what sometimes when I hear it, like I start to like think I'm going crazy <laughs> hearing a phone <laughs> ring because that story unsettled me on such a deep level of like, Oh, is that in my head? Cause if it's in my head, I have a lot more things to be worried about. <laughs> I, that reminds me, I remember telling my mom a story one time of, I remember being in, in class and we were like taking a test. So it was completely silent and I could have sworn I kept hearing somebody call my name and I would, look around everybody's looking down doing their tests i was like okay the first time i heard it i was like okay somebody's just messing with me but i could have sworn i heard it two or three more times still nobody's looking at me everyone's just doing what they're supposed to do and i remember telling my mom the story and she's looking at me just very like into the story at the very end she just goes do we need to get you therapy (laughs) (laughs) i'm hoping half joking uh but yeah that was just a very creepy moment also kind of a kind question though of like (laughs) I'm not going to just write you off or tell you you're crazy. I'm going to ask if you need help. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Came from a place of love. There you go. I didn't even look at it that way. <laughs> See? Uh, by, the way, okay. the, by the way, the voices have stopped. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, okay, so or my, the voices took over, Bradley. Oh, yeah, they could be that as well. <laughs> um, okay, so my next one is a short story, and uh, it's one of two um and it is uh i guess it's more of a novella but it's um blanky by keelan patrick burke oh, i've been too scared to read that one it, it so i mean so i mean <laughs> the the i know the premise yeah the, to me the premise and even the first half or, or so of the story just it reminds me a lot of um pet cemetery and just the fact that it's it's well it's it's very depressing but it's because you know they lose a child and it's just it's it's more of a drama it's just the the husband and wife trying to cope with it each one is just doing absolutely terrible because they lost their loved one and it's very sad and depressing but then you know just like pet cemetery it takes that very horrifying turn and can't spoil anything especially because you do need to read it it there's just so different imagery in it that stuck with me and luckily um Keelan is, you know, a guy you can, you can talk to and he will readily talk to you when, if he's available. And I told him about a specific part, uh, in, in it just, Oh, I wish I could describe it, but he was like, you know, he's like, Oh my God, is a guy, that's the exact reaction I was going for. And I'm glad that it happened with you and that I could give you nightmares because that image is still in my head and it's towards, I think it's towards the end. It's within the last, it's gotta be within the last like 10 pages of it that it comes and it's just horrifying. All right. I will, I will take your word for it. It'll probably be a while before I get around <laughs> to it. I think the, the work of his that I know I can survive. I have, and I've read, although I really want to get his, his new one um, soon. But uh, that was one where I read that and I'm like, mm, I am not in a place in my life where I can read that right now without <laughs> oh. really messing myself up. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, she's eight months old today hooray oh, there you go <laughs> yeah so it's one of the things where i'm like mm, there are certain topics where when you especially because when you first have a baby your hormones are on such another level but like you can't your response to things is not rational and i'm like i know i'm gonna have to wait on this one yeah <laughs> like, so it's one where i'm like i do want to read this really badly but like two years from now <laughs> the tbr is long yeah 
and well plotted. Like, I've got like probably about the next three years semi figured. Oh my out. god! So, well, when you're when you're like basically halving your reading list once you have a kid, like you really have to. I have to prioritize. Yeah, that's true. So, but yes, I think he is a he is a master of of horrifying imagery. Um, yes, definitely. I had one that that made the short list for me that I almost put on here, but I could not talk about it without totally spoiling it, so that didn't feel worth it. From <laughs> I want people to read it from him. Um, yes, and it's in the um, Dead of Winter collection. Oh, which one was it? Um, oh, I want to say it's called Visitation Rights. Yes. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes, is it like one of the first ones? I believe so. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, if I could reach the book from where I'm sitting, I would. I would tell you, but I don't know where it is because I don't know my shelves yet. They're new. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know where anything is. Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. I was going to say, that's not the one with the snowman, is it? No. Okay. Oh, that one's great. I want that to be made into like, a short film so badly. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. so good. Like, it's one of those where like I'd be creeped out, but also laughing like a crazy person. Yeah, that's that's ripe for a, to be part of like an anthology uh, horror film. Yes, definitely. Hold on, I just found it. Okay. Um, it is, yeah, visitation rights. It's about it's page twenty-two. Oh, so it's the second one. Okay. I think. It's like it's actually a bit in there, but it's on the it's on the first half. Okay. So yeah, that that one, honorable mention. Honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we back to me? Uh, I believe so. We're on. Yeah, we're on the third one already. No, well, and now we're looping back to Head Full of Ghosts. All right. Let's <laughs> um, do this. I, oh God, I, it's like, my, it's my favorite horror novel. Um, it really competes with The Elementals by Michael McDowell, um, which is, doesn't really freak me out. It's just good. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like scariest thing that I actually really also love, Head Full of Ghosts. Um, I, the, I found it because I just really wanted... I wanted a haunted house book. Like that was it was a very specific mood thing that I wanted. And so I kind of Googled and, and I bought a couple books. I actually bought it at the same time as I bought the Elementals, which is kind of funny. Um, and then I was I posted something about it. My a friend of mine, my friend Ben, who I'm gonna be talking about his book later, um, was like, Oh my gosh, this is this book is amazing. Um, but I was so freaked out by it because again, that possession thing, <laughs> I could only read it in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, Nope, I need bright lights, I need my husband to be home, like I can't do this one alone because he's so good at these, these very specific images that freak me out. So um, like the first time we think something might be up with Marjorie, um, like that image, um, the stuff with like the Ivy and like Mm. the leaves and the little toy house, like that is stuff that really messes with me. Like I'm getting chills up my spine just talking (laughs) about this right now. Um, But it's one of those things where I also just like really, loved the characters and i have so many feelings about you know sort of the the end chunk and and what happens and why and um you know it's one of those things where i find myself i i think i read the book it's been almost three years for me i think i read it summer of 2016 because we had it was the summer we first moved to illinois and i think about that book all the time um sometimes it like is when you're stupid and you like scare yourself <laughs> start thinking yes. about things and sometimes it's like I start thinking about it in like a like a critical that literary lens that I can't escape from, um, and start thinking about it like from a, a novel perspective and from where it fits sort of in the in genre and it's and how it ties into other things. Like I could just 
I could talk about this for an hour, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but genuinely, just a lot of things that really freaked me out. <laughs> it sounds like we're gonna have to dedicate an episode all to that. We should. Well, because the other funny part is that I bought three books when I wanted this haunted house thing. I bought the Elementals, Head Full of Ghosts, and I bought Horror Store. Mm. And so I also, for some reason, connect Horror Store and Head Full of Ghosts oh, <laughs> together. Okay. Like those, those, these three books will just forever be married in my brain, and they all sort of meet a different thing that I love. So, yeah. Also, another one I recommend, Horror Store is fantastic. <laughs> I I have it on, on my Kindle tablet, because I know it's got a lot of images and i know it's probably not a good one to read on a actual e-reader it's really it's really not i have to say having the physical copy because grady hendrix um and cork books do such cool things with format that having the actual physical copy is really it's it's an experience Um, like the whole book becomes an experience i would recommend that's one i would say you should get in a an actual physical copy okay i will uh, throw it on the ever-growing list it looks like an ikea catalog yeah, it's important. <laughs> yeah, um, although I, I I'm of the unpopular opinion with Grady Hendrix in that I was very much anticipating my best friend's exorcism, uh, read it and gave it either three or two and a half stars. Um, I just remember it. I, I had fun with it the entire time, but at the end of it, it was one of those ones I kind of just forgot everything that happened and was like, I don't even remember what happened and I just finished it kind of thing. I can understand that. I think it's, there's three things I think are important about enjoying that book. The first is if you're how, how you feel about like eighties high school movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if you have really strong connections or feelings about them, I think you will really love that book. I think it depends on what your adolescent friendships were like. Yeah, I can see that. Um, So if you had, you know, middle school or early high school, like a really intense friendship. Um, And there's actually been a lot of research about like the friendship between young women in particular. And that's sort of that third piece is I I think also surprisingly written by a male identifying author. There's something very female about that story Um, because there is a sort of strange intensity to women's friendships, especially when they're sort of in their young formative years. And that novel captures it so perfectly. This sort of like, obsessive almost deadly like connection you have to your female friends like um when i was my best friend when i was going into high school just decided to drop me out of nowhere and i have never felt a loss of a relationship like romantic friendship otherwise the way i did that because the there's such a there's like a a, a, a trust that you just don't have with anybody else when you're like going through puberty and all these weird changes and society expectations and all this craziness and that book captures it so well but if you've never lived through that I can see why it's not actually a very interesting story yeah <clears throat> I, and I do remember it being a little like head full of ghosts in the sense that you're not getting a straight up possession story per se mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. there, it's it's definitely a lot more than that which you know I, I was on vacation when I read it which you would think that's a good time to read a book was you know because you have time to soak it all up but I mean I was also doing a lot of things in between so maybe you know maybe I just need to read it at a better time I don't think I don't think, think it's, I don't I don't think all books are for everyone yeah you know try you know we talk about everybody having different tastes like you're not saying it's bad yeah. you're just saying it wasn't it wasn't you. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to do a lot more 
validation of that in the book community of like you you saying like hey i'm rating this this because it's not for me versus you saying it's a bad book is not the same thing yeah um you know we definitely have books that we talk about we're like no this is a bad book like this is badly written or it's you know um it's it's uh supporting problematic ideologies or concepts like those are that's a valid thing of saying this is bad Saying something you don't like something or it's just not your taste, that's valid. We have to do better at like not holding it against somebody that they're like, mm, Yeah, exactly. Eh, I, I, I support other people loving this, but this isn't me. I, th- I think that is one of the reasons why. Mm-hmm. I think I did give it three stars and said basically that, you know, the, the story was good, the writing was good, but in the end it just didn't suit, you know, my, my taste per se. So Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. Um, there, I do have... Uh, Oh, damn. What's the latest one he just came out with, with the kind of like rock and roll looking cover? We sold our souls. Yes, I have that and I haven't gotten to it yet, but it sounds very fun. I will get around to getting that one. Yeah. I... <laughs> it's, on, it's on the list of to be acquired. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm up at number three. And again, it's another um, man. A lot of I think all of mine are mostly psychological horror. I think I'm seeing a theme here. Um, this is The Deep by Nick Cutter. Have you read The Deep? <laughs> I have read The Deep. Okay. Uh, again, can't say too much about it without spoiling it, but um, first off, what really freaked me out was that um, I was going to try to pronounce it, but I will butcher it. I have that... I don't think it's really rational, but I have that fear of open water. Um, I looked it up and I cannot pronounce it. So, uh, So that already is the backdrop for why it's so scary to me and then let alone they're you know submerged at the bottom of the ocean the entire novel so that already that sense of isolation and and just you're at the bottom of the damn ocean like you have literally nowhere to go and yes and then the whole psychological horror of it of yes if, if anybody has ever seen event horizon it's like event horizon but underwater that yes i never put those two together before but yes that makes a lot of sense yeah it reminded me so much of event (laughs) horizon and i saw that movie way too young and even though it scared the living shit out of me i still watched it all the time when i was young and i was actually talking about it with somebody earlier today and uh now i want to watch that again but i also really want to reread the deep um that's a solid number two on uh my favorite Nick Cutter novels. I think we might've talked about this last time, but I don't remember. I don't think we did. I don't think we talked about Nick Cutter, but it's funny because I had seen, you know, a read Nick Cutter is so good. And the deep while being the topic that I was most afraid of, because I also share your fear of open water. Um, we went on a cruise and like the only way I survived was just by being drunk the entire time. <laughs> so I wouldn't think about the fact that like, I don't know what's underneath me. Yeah. Um, also the fact that it was only in the Gulf of Mexico somehow was like a rationalization to me versus like crossing the ocean but whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's the only cutter I've read. I really want to read little heaven. I just haven't had a chance to, um, but it's very like, I appreciate the layers of the deep because there's a layer of like, you are in this, this research station as deep as we can humanly go in the ocean. That is terrifying enough. And then there's sort of the, it's almost like the thing, you know, like the research gone wrong. Um, or gone complicated mm-hmm. aspect that ties into it too. And there's nowhere to run, yeah. you know, like 
even if you're up in like you know the arctic you can at least run out into the snow there's somehow (laughs) like that open space of like air you cannot do that under the ocean no (laughs) so i i'm very with you that there there are a lot of layers that make the deep very scary uh maybe you read sphere by michael creighton I haven't read it, but I actually um, when you're talking about movies we saw way too young, mm. Sphere. Yeah. It was on T- it was on HBO a lot and in a very formative time for me. And um, I think it's Queen Latifah maybe when she goes out and the, like the stuff is all up her nose and uh, jellyfish. Yes, like I that has an image that has lived in my brain for a very long time. Yeah the 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 movie gets mm. a lot of shit for some reason. I mean, I, I get it may not be the best, but they I feel like they translated it from the book very well um obviously the king cross is very scary and mysterious i yeah. feel like that's successful yeah exactly and and obviously the book goes into more detail which makes it um a lot scarier and i, I will say it is structured a little better the movie does kind of it does kind of hop around like oh you know this event just happened now we're going to jump to the next event with nothing in between it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> but definitely the deep is is to me it, Nick Cutter's scariest book, but my second favorite only behind Little Heaven just because Little Heaven is so... It's almost like Evil Dead in the sense that it's so over-the-top, gory, and scary, and it's just... It's so much fun. Yeah, that definitely just sold the book to me because I love Evil Dead. Yes. That, so. it, yeah, it, it is it is darkly humorous, but at the same time is very scary. Yeah, I think ridiculous and scary are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, no. <laughs> Something can be both. Yeah, the, it's funny because um, I was watching some documentary on horror movies, and uh, they had they were uh, one little section. They were interviewing Joe Hill, and he was saying that um, horror movies and comedy mesh so well together because sometimes um, if you pick the right horror movie, which is most of them, like any choose any Friday the Thirteenth or Freddy movies, you for the most part do not care about the characters so and most of the time they're annoying and you just don't want to see them anymore so when they finally get killed it's usually in some over-the-top way and you're you're cheering because you're they're gone but also it's sometimes happens in a very slapstick way like jason just punching someone's head off you know yeah i think that same concept is why cabin cabin in the woods is such an effective movie oh i love that movie there are parts of that movie, I saw it in the theaters, and I saw it with friends who were very similar to me, and at some points we were laughing so hard we were crying, and the rest of the theater was looking at us like <laughs> we were crazy people, because they went in thinking it was a genuinely scary movie, whereas within a few scenes, we understood that this was something else. Oh, yeah. Also, we were all writers, like, we're nerds. We could pick up on that in a different sort of way, but like, oh gosh, that movie is fantastic. Definitely, probably one of my favorites. As, as soon as they showed the people in the control room, I was like, oh my god, we're going like, what full, we're going full on meta with this. We're like meta on meta, like, there's just, it's great. Also, it makes me giggle every time I think of mermen. Yes. Um, or mer people. Yeah. Uh, has really shifted my my initial instinct of what a mer person is, <laughs> and I will be forever grateful for that. Yeah, uh, the ending of that is so good, so good. Uh, are we on my number four? Your number three, I think. No, I think four because I'm going first. So, oh, I just four. did. I just did my number three. Yeah, so I'm on number four. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay, so I'm probably gonna get some crap for this. So there's going to be some explanation, but House of Leaves. Mm, I haven't, uh, haven't read it. Okay. So a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it. A lot of people trash it. And I get why. 
Um, because the thing about House of Leaves, um, one, it's sort of fun graphically because there's a lot of, um, there's like three different stories going on and there's some visual storytelling that's happening. I will say I'm saying House of Leaves, but only the Navidson record. Mm. Anybody who's read it will know what I mean by that. Um, it's one of the three stories that's told, um, which if they would ever make the Navidson record just straight up into a movie, I would adore it. I think it would be visually really cool. Like, don't get me into the other weird layer stuff with, like, Johnny and all that whatnot. I don't care. I don't care about those <laughs> stories. The, those aren't scary. Um, the idea of the story haunting you, it does not play out well. I, I am not a fan of it. But the Davidson record itself, the story of this family and this house where the house is bigger on the inside. Which, funny, I realized that I read this before I became a Doctor Who fan. So that's even more hilarious to me now. But where, like, <laughs> they would realize they would measure the inside of the house and it would be, like, inches bigger than the outside and um it's sort of the journey that the family goes on but there's this moment which it's not really spoiling anything but there's a moment where one of the, where they're sort of trying to start to figure out the house and the wall like one of the characters is facing away from a wall and the wall behind her goes completely black oh. and i remember i was i think i read it it was one of the first times i lived genuinely alone um in my apartment in grad school it was uh <laughs> I was I was home alone. I was like, I'm gonna read House of Leaves. This was a mistake. <laughs> Such I'm so stupid. I sometimes take the dumbest moments to read scary things, but like I just really wanted to read it. And I stayed up super late to read it. I slept with the lights on because I needed to go to bed before I could finish it. And then immediately got up the next morning and finished it. <laughs> I just had to know. It had to be done. Um but I just remember that moment has always freaked me out and it there are times where like I just feel really unsettled in my house where I'm like, please let the wall be the right color behind me. Like, <laughs> like it's it's definitely a thing where i was like ah. you know because it's it's our houses like that's why home invasion stories are so scary because our houses are supposed to be sort of our sanctuaries and so when the house itself is the thing that's attacking you mm-hmm. um it just it's a different layer of fear like you know it's why we go and hide in the closets because we think the spaces are built in our houses to save us or protect us yeah. and uh it's it one of the fundamentals of that story is that that is not always the case um, and it really freaked me out. It's exhausting to read. Like it's work to read that book because there's footnotes on footnotes and pages that are upside down and crisscrossed. And it's, it, it's work to read the book, but ultimately that the core story that everybody is commenting on is a very good story. Yeah. I've heard it's a very daunting read and I've kind of leafed through it here and there. And I came across those, those, you know, very twisty <coughs> texts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, it's it, yeah, I'm very intrigued by the story, but yeah, the it sounds like a very daunting read. Yeah, you get there. Like if you um, are okay reading anything with footnotes, because you know a lot of authors do use footnotes still as sort of an aside or commentary. If you can get into the flow or figure out how you want to read the story, you'll be fine. Okay, yeah, that, but you just kind of have to, like play with it and see what you like. <laughs> yeah, the footnotes kind of threw me off. Um, that was kind of why there's a book called. Well, the whole thing overall. I know a lot of people have heard of it, but also a lot of people haven't heard of it. Um, it's called S. Yeah, uh, I have that. Yeah. Because it was written by J.J. Abrams, and I love him. Yeah, that's that was the main reason. That was what sold me. Was And then the idea of, you know, it's a it's a book within a book. Um, and there's like a mystery and all these items. And, yeah, and you yeah. get so many art, uh, little artifacts and clues with it. And I only read the main story. I didn't read the, the annotations or 
you know, the little side story that the... Oh, but the annotation story. The annotation story is really cute. I won't say it's, like, mysterious, but it's cute. <laughs> like, it's a cute story. Because I know a lot of people were like, oh, I, you know, I'll read a chapter of the main story, and then I'll go back and read the annotations. And some people are like, I'll read them page by page. And I was like, no, I don't think I have the attention span for that. I have to stick with just one thing and see it through to the end. And I never went back for the annotations. Fair enough. Yeah. I understand that. Um, oh, okay. All right. Year number four. Uh, my number two. Well, it's your number two. Yeah. Yes, we're going backwards. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so this is my last short story, and it is The Boogeyman by Stephen King. I remember... Um, what collection is that in? That's in Night Shift. Okay. Um, which I've only read, I think, two, maybe three stories out of it. Um, no, maybe only two. Because um, I remember one of them being uh, one of the Salem's Lot stories. And unfortunately, I think it's the very first one. And unfortunately, being very bored by it by the time... I don't even, I don't even know if I finished it. Maybe I should have finished it. But I just remember it being a lot of back and forth. And people writing each other... Two people writing each other letters. And... I don't know. It just wasn't clicking with me at the time, but I really want to read that collection because I've heard it's like amazing and his best one ever. It's very hard for you to people to pick a favorite out of that one because they're all so good. Um, but I remember reading Night Shift, uh, Night Shift, uh, The Boogeyman on my Kindle at ten o'clock at night, and if you've never read it, it's basically kind of a haunted house story um this guy is seeing his shrink telling him about how uh his children died and he thinks his children died from the boogeyman because they his kids kept saying they saw the boogeyman in their closet and you know it sounds like a very just folklore type tale you've heard your whole life but it's stephen king telling it so he knows how to Mm -hmm. weave his way in there and make it even scarier and i just remember finishing it and it's got such a what the fuck just happened kind of ending. I remember finishing it and just kind of like staring at my ceiling for a second and then just slowly bringing my eyes down and staring at my closet for about five <laughs> minutes before going to sleep. Success. Yeah. And, and I think my, just so perfect aesthetically because I think my closet was open about six inches, <laughs> maybe like three or four, just enough for somebody to, you know, peer through at me as I'm lying there in bed. It's, and just the psychological aspect of it is really good. It's one of those ones that they he presents it as, oh, it's just all in his head kind of thing. But then you're like, you know what? Like, even though this guy is kind of an asshole and I want to believe he's just crazy, it's starting to not look that way. Yeah. Yeah, it, those are definitely good ones where sometimes it's nice at the end of the story to be like, oh, it is something supernatural. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, you know, every once in a while, there, there's something satisfying in those stories too, versus the ones that like, was it? <laughs> and there's a, there's a <clears throat> saying in there, or a, it's not even really, it's not even really a sentence. It's just two words that, taken out of context, don't really mean anything. But when you read it in the context of the story, is very creepy, and it's just the words are so nice. It's just that. It's just those two words by themselves. Like I said, out of context, and like, oh, that's that's fine. But when you read it, it's like, holy shit, that is scary. <laughs> I love it when stuff like that happens. Yeah. You know, where like your your associations with things and words and phrases is is so warped because we read such weird scary stuff. 
Yes, exactly. But, like, you know, people bring up a thing like to, to a normal person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like, it's like, you know, when you read too much true crime and you start talking to people who are not into murder about murder, like you read enough horror and that same thing starts to happen is you have these weird, because really good horror is taking something that we encounter in our daily lives and just shifting it oh yeah and changing it a little you know and so when we have things like a phrase like oh that's so nice and so then you'd hear so nice and be like <laughs> yeah be like, why are you being like that <laughs> you know uh, yeah it's it's so good and it's really short too it's probably if it's 15 pages it's maybe 12 it's weird because i've read all of night shift and i honestly don't remember that story oh man it's I don't know. Maybe jump but to that I one. I think that speaks to the power of the collection as well. That the ones that do stand out to me from that um, are actually some of his more emotional stories, mm. um, and those are the ones I think are really well done in that collection. So you should you should read Night Chef so we can talk about it. Yeah, I definitely want to get into it, and we'll we'd have to maybe not. Well, I mean, we could dissect all the stories. Definitely have to break it up because there's got to be something like what twenty of them there's in there. A- yeah, there's quite a few. Or we just sort of, you know, pick our faves and make an argument. Yeah, there we go. We can do, like, a bracket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. We just argue our way to the which one is the best story in the collection. <laughs> we could try that. That could work. Are uh, we at your number one? Yeah, it's um, not really my number one. I also, again, this is one I have to set up with some context. I read this while I had a very high fever. So I had um, a really bad flu. Um, and when I get the flu, when I get sick and since I've been sick recently, uh, this comes up is that I get like a word or a phrase stuck in my head and it like starts to repeat over and over Mm. while I have a fever. Um, and so that's what happened while I was reading this, but it is, I'm actually naming the whole trilogy. It's the sign of seven trilogy. It is Nora Roberts. And this is why I'm telling you if this woman would ever write a horror novel, I would probably need to like live under my bed and hide out for a while because, um, it's this. Um, it's a trilogy about a town and the town gets possessed by a demon. So every seven years, the demon comes back and the town goes crazy. Um, these three brothers or these three boys, they're not really brothers, but they, three boys accidentally let it out when they're little kids. And so every seven years they come back and they try and like save their town and save their families. Um, there's all stuff with like history and witch trials. Like it's so cool. There's so much to it, but the main demon in the present is a little boy. And it's always a little boy. He's very uh, gleeful and creepy. And if you're reading this, well, and also very kind of rapey, um, which is very creepy for being a child, and that it's used in a way that doesn't feel exploitative, but it's still very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's very specific. It's very, it's used very little and very specifically. Um, but he's just terrifying to me. Like the demon itself really isn't cause he's just, you know, an arrogant twat, but the <laughs> presentation of the demon as a little boy and the things the little boy does just, you know, I was reading to distract myself from how sick I was. And then somehow in my fever state, like, oh gosh, like everything I read was so vivid and it's just never, it's never left me. I've reread it like two or three times and I still find it as creepy as I did the first time around. Um, because it's just, it's very violent and it's very scary. And um, for a Nora Roberts book, not everyone lives. Um, oh, wow. You're not, not everyone's safe. I will say that. Maybe not everybody doesn't live, but like not everyone's safe. And the the attacks are very visceral and very scary um 
and I love that. I feel like she finally just like really embraced like I want to write a really scary story, and she did it. Um, cause she's got plenty of ghost stories with very scary and violent ghosts or like witches or you know, she definitely loves to tackle like comeuppance for domestic abusers and things like that. But this was the first time where she was like, "There's gonna be a demon and bad stuff's gonna happen," <laughs> and it's very scary. Like, I think if I had read nothing else of hers in just that trilogy, I would still feel this way. Oh wow! Um, it's that it just hits all the right notes of very creepy demon child. Um, the right kinds of scares, the right people at risks, like, you know, the floating outside the window thing mm, like, yeah. that comes up like just right. And not when you're entirely expecting it. Like it's, it's moments like that where it's like very, very typical horror things, but the beats that she uses them are just a little different than like a horror writer who that's what they mainly write would use. And mm. it's genius. And that's what makes it so scary is because it's like, oh, I think what's going to happen here is this, but then it doesn't. It happens somewhere else and I'm not expecting it. <laughs> it sounds like she does know how to write horror. Yes. It's it's kind of, well, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I was going to say it's kind of a shame that she doesn't not necessarily make that her primary genre, but do it more often. Yeah, I think she's moved away from it for a while. Um, She sort of moved more into like sort of witchcraft and Wicca and like communing with the earth kind of stories which Mm. still you know definitely have a a threat and danger to them but you know she also writes really like hella good mystery novels too um some of her standalones are about like solving mysteries and and they're pretty good as well like she just has a very she's a very good storyteller i think that's what makes king so kind of genre defined too is like it's not necessarily about writing in genre it's telling a really good story yeah. Um, and you know, I, I think Nora Roberts gets kind of she has to do certain things to to meet the expectations of her audience because she's Nora Roberts. But at the same time, I think she just also says that she still just wants to tell a good story and she wants to tell a good story with good people. Um, and she gets there, you know. Yeah. So in this moment, it was like I'm going to tell this hella scary story about this town that was possessed and these you know six people who have to band together to fight it, <laughs> and she does like. You know, it's still their story and how they interact and connect with each other at the end of it. Um, but how they get there is like by facing some crazy stuff. Yeah. Because you figure the first time, the first time the boys have to save the town, I think they're 11. I think it was their 11th birthday that they actually let it go. And so then they're like 18, 24, like not ages where they're people who are capable of really protecting other people. And that adds a whole other layer of like fear, you know? A little bit of helplessness. Yeah, you know, well, it's 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 very... Anytime we have, you know, kids in the story, you know, we know, we hope the kids are going to save them because the kids are the only ones paying attention. Um, but at the same time, part of why kids make such effective protagonists in stories like that is because we know people aren't going to listen to them. And we know that they're not... It's not like they're going to go tell the first adults and the first adults going to be like, you're totally right, kids. There is a clown in the sewers. Like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And we know that. And so that sense of helplessness that the reader feels because we know kids don't get listened to. Yeah. You know, like, it adds to that. Yeah, and I, I I, like that, you know, you said about the... It's not necessarily about a certain genre. It's just telling the good story, which is what King does really good is... Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell... I'm gonna, tell this story about this friendship of these seven kids who all have uh, trauma and, and bad things happening in their lives, but also happens to be a celestial killer clown to throw in the mix, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just, I was listening to the Losers Club um, episode about the talisman. Mm. And really, the idea that King first had was not about the territories or any of those other things. It was about this boy is in this hotel and his mom is dying. You know, if that's the starting point for a story like that, I think that's powerful. Like, I think that's the right way. It's not, don't start with the scares. You start with why the scares are scary. Yeah. I'm I'm still bummed they, they rated the talisman as low as they did. <laughs> the more I listen to the episode, the more I understand their questions, but I also just enjoyed the journey. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep my, keep my love for the talisman. Yeah. I, yeah, kind of the same thing. I, I do remember reading it the second time for my read along. And I do remember that the last act kind of dragging <laughs> yeah. on for way too long. <laughs> Stupid Richard. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No kidding. Especially when uh, Jack gets to the hotel in the territories and just, you think, Oh, he's there. He's going to fight and do his thing and he's gone. And then you're like, Holy shit. We still have another hundred pages left and he's already where he needs to be. Like, good God. Mm-hmm. I, I will mm-hmm. say it is a little overlong at the end, but we all know that's King. And I mean, who knows that might've been straw too, but exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. We're at, Oh wow. We're at my number one. You, you're number one. Okay. Well, this, it, it was actually really hard for me to pick a straight up number one without it being another king. But honestly, it would have, if it was going to be, I guess I'll just make this as an honorable mention, but if it was going to be another king thing, it would have been a king moment and it would have been from it. And that would, that would have been when, uh, for some reason, like I'm sure some people find it, found it scary, but maybe not that scary, but it was the scene, a small scene with, um, Eddie Corcoran and the, creature from the black lagoon coming after him (laughs) and you know just eddie realizing um like oh this isn't a rubber suit like this is real you know that that whole scene right there just was really scary i remember remember finishing that chapter and kind of closing the book and just being like okay i think i'm done for now (laughs) (laughs) so what's your actual number one So my actual number one um that i have probably talked ad nauseum about on instagram and on here uh is uh the wicked by james newman don't spoil anything for me i still haven't read it no no um just because he already sets up a a scary story like the you know it's it's kind of got the folklore behind it and Mm -hmm. he kind of takes your basic premise of you know uh this kind of blue collar family moving into a new home um just trying to live their life but little do they know just bad shit is is lurking and he takes the horror to the most outrageous places already like the situations but then he just adds this little touch of things to it that really take it into like what the fuck is going on territory and i I remember sitting on my couch reading a part i don't remember what part but i just remember reading it and it was a very tense scary part and at the time um, there was a, a cat living here. We were kind of cat sitting for a day and where I was sitting was kind of, um, the hallway was directly to my right and the cat came down the hall and came out of the hallway into the living room, not running, not going slow and creepy, just a normal leisurely cat walk. And I just remember out the corner of my eye, seeing the cat walk in the room and I damn near threw the book <laughs> because it scared the shit out of me. And I was so in the zone and I don't think a book has ever scared me that much. Ugh, just, yeah. Um, 
haven't announced it on Instagram yet, but you kind of you more or less kind of pushed me into doing this last year. Uh, but I am gonna have a read along of that, I believe, in September because that's my yeah. birthday month. So I'll probably do a formal announcement of that pretty soon. But yeah, that's I'm really excited to get to it again. And you have I will adjust thoughts. my TBR accordingly. <laughs> and it's it's not a very long book either. It's like maybe a little over 300 pages. So. Yeah, with, without spoiling anything, it's yeah, that's about all I can yeah, say. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to be scared. That sounds fine. <laughs> you will be, hopefully, anyway. Sometimes, it's, sometimes I'll I'll say stuff like that and, and like I'll I'll build it up all dramatically and tell someone about a part, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I read it. It was fine." <laughs> like, oh, How dare you? Okay, well then, <laughs> <laughs> understandable. Um, so now into my honorable mention. Okay. Um, most people don't know this about me, but my, I have a master's degree and I have a master's degree in creative writing. So, um, I went to college, extra college to learn how to write cool stuff. That's not what I do. Um, (laughs) but it does mean that I have a lot of friends who are writers and who do write, um, or that I've gotten to read, you know, be a beta reader for a lot of people. Um, but uh, the person that when we when you finish your degree, you have to do a reading um, and they had us do them in pairs. And my pair was my friend, Ben, um, which I know a lot of Ben's. So I'm going to clarify Ben Wheeler Floyd. <laughs> and he Ben writes all kinds of stuff. But the, not, the what he was working on for his thesis was a horror novel called The Investigators. And I um, he let me read it. Finally, <laughs> the summer, actually, before our, our last year, I was in upstate New York doing um my internship i was living in a haunted residence hall for one like absolutely was totally haunted mm. uh and my bed was right next to the air conditioning oh, God. um and so i'm reading the book on my ipad and i'm so into it and it was sort of like the moment you have with the cat where suddenly the air conditioning turned on and i <laughs> screamed and the ipad went flying like i was so scared because um there are certain you know everybody has certain images or things that really creep them out um for me one of those things is like hanging bodies or like dragging feet really creep me out um which is an element that plays into the investigators but it's basically i don't even know how to explain the synopsis to you other than at some point um sort of the younger generation uh is is paying the consequences for what an older generation did and towards the end of the story like sort of leading up to the um, the end point the uh, they have to break into an abandoned high school and in the process of doing that a whole bunch of really weird stuff happens and all of it were things that was like very psychologically confusing and unsettling where you're like or like you know something's happening to a character and they you don't know how they're going to save themselves or how are they going to get out of this or is this is it tricking their brain is this physically happening like it's all very unsettling um but i will say like i i'm still mad at him for not pursuing getting that novel published (laughs) i will completely own that um but you know everybody everybody moves on from the kind of stories that they're interested in but i will say i i loved i loved the story i know even the incarnation i read is not the final version um i probably read like two three versions back but it really creeped me out and i feel like there's a lot of promise there so that's why i'm saying honorable mention I don't feel like I can include it in my full five because it's not a published work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, shout out to Ben, who, by <laughs> the way, was the first person I ever did a podcast with. Oh, cool. Um, for a project in grad school, we had to start a podcast. We oh, did, wow. like, 
six episodes and then stopped. <laughs> so you, you were supposed to keep going with it, apparently? Um, no, it was more that we had to start, we had to do some kind of project that engaged the writing community. Mm. Um, and we decided to do a podcast. Um, we did a couple episodes and then it just wasn't, you know, between there were three of us in between our work schedules and life and trying to keep up with writing and, you know, it just wasn't feasible. Um, and so we just, we did our episodes and we were like, you know what, let's just move on. Like we're proud of what we did. Let's keep going. That's, um, that's funny because one of my coworkers just asked me the other day and asked how I do the podcast and I, you know, just kind of told her what I do. And she goes, okay, because we have to do a couple episodes for our class in college. And I was just like, that's really strange that podcasts are working their way into college courses now, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we kind of, our professor was a little bit confused that we did that actually, because everybody else like started their own little like literary magazine or, um, and some of them kept going, but we were like, let's just do a podcast. I was like, yeah, okay. It's a lot easier somewhat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was, and it was fun. I had a good time with it. I I got to do a lot of weird stuff in grad school, but that one was pretty good time. Yeah, it was, it was funny because she asked me. She's like, "What do you What do you do? How do you do it?" I said, "I speak into a microphone, throw on some, throw throw in a theme music at the beginning and the end, and that's it. Like I and ramble in the in between." And, and <laughs> I was like, "I, <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm very self deprecating, and I need to try to stop it." But I was like, "I I'm not good at it. I just do it and." I put it out there and she, you know, she just started laughing and she's like, well, we have, she had a very specific thing she had to talk about. Um, I feel bad now cause I can't remember the exact subject, but I know she had to, uh, she's going to interview somebody, um, about the subject. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was just, I was kind of flattered that she asked for my advice, but at the same time I was like, how many other podcasters does she know? <laughs> so yeah, there's, I, I, I think that is cool that they're starting to, because I think there's even straight up college courses on how to start a podcast now. Oh, probably. I mean, I wouldn't. Sure. I wouldn't doubt it. That's for sure. Um, damn, that's it, man. There's so many. That's it. There's so many other things that I could name off too, but for future episodes' sakes, I will uh, refrain. Yeah, we gotta keep it together. <laughs> um. But I will throw out there. I'll. This is me attempting to try to do a, an a, a ending, I guess, to the episode. Um, I did throw out there today on Instagram that um, you and I want to do an episode of uh, listener submitted questions. Um, and as soon as we, uh, you know, we'll try to wait a couple weeks just so people can get them all in, and we'll have enough to fulfill an episode and not just maybe ten minutes. Um, True. So I'm sure the majority of people that listen to this um, already follow us on Instagram. But if you don't, there will be links in that description. Um, If you are listening and you don't do the Instagram thing, you can just email them to uh, ilovethispod at gmail.com. And that's it. We want all your questions about anything. Anything, anything. Books, movies, scary stuff, we're open to it. Yes. Anything you want. We're open to almost anything. Don't get too weird. <laughs> it can get a little weird, but not not too weird. Yeah. All right, well. Choose the appropriate level of weirdness. Yes. And we're in. Yes. We do like weird, but a certain level. Okay. All right. Well, until then. Until then. Thank you for 
coming on again, being a repeat guest, and yet again coming up with the episode idea. Um, I will say, though, I'm proud of myself for coming up for the next one. So, <laughs> Yes, definitely. <laughs> all right. Thank you for all of this. It was fun. Again. All right. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>